Hey everybody, it's Nate Lockhart here again with another edition of the Memory Machine podcast, a historical, pop culture, anecdotal podcast. Um, you might be noticing this is an off week for the Memory Machine, and that's because it usually is. Um, it is the Memory Machine's one-year anniversary, and uh, so I thought, you know what, let's uh, celebrate a little bit by giving a little extra podcast. I- I'm not sure if it- today was the anniversary or whatever have you, but in any case... We have a very special interview today, our conversation that I had with Fritzy Kramer of MovieSilently.com. But before we get into that, I just wanted to throw out uh, some extra plugs here. First of all, of course, be sure to check out the Geekiverse YouTube channel. Cool things are happening there. Uh, my favorite lately has been PS Trex, a very interesting dive into uh, PlayStation stuff. And, and by PlayStation, I mean the PS1. Something I didn't know much about, and now I'm starting to learn and kind of gain an appreciation for. You can also, of course, check out thegeekiverse.com for a bunch of articles, news, uh, opinion pieces, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, got a bunch of great writers uh, on hand, so please do check that out as well. We also have, if you go to the SoundCloud page, the Geekiverse SoundCloud page, under It's a Thing Media on SoundCloud, or iTunes, uh, you go to Geekiverse on iTunes, and you'll find other podcasts there, including Geek's Got Game, which I was on recently, as well as things like uh, Girls Who Geek, and the spoiler casts about new movies, and all that kind of fun stuff. Now, before we go right into the conversation, the interview, um, I wanted to bring up that this month the Geekiverse is really pushing for, um, or pushing against, I should say, childhood cancer there's we have a big fundraiser going on right now against uh, uh to help in the fight against pediatric cancer it's something that has uh, affected uh, people very close to us here in the geekiverse um a couple people who uh, write and produce for the website uh, have had uh, first-hand experience with uh with the demon and uh it would be wonderful if you all would check out the the, the Geekiverse website. You can go to um, uh, the show page, actually, for here. There should be a link down below where it will point to the website where we are gathering funds to donate to causes that will fight against pediatric cancer. Now, uh, with all that having been said, on to the interview. I'm here with Fritzy Kramer, blogger, film preservationist now, uh, recipe collector extraordinaire. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Fritzy, especially, well, of course, with movies silently. Well, I, I'm i the chief cook and bottle washer at moviesilently.com, and what I do is I try to get people interested and passionate about silent films, particularly silent films that nobody's talking about like Mm -hmm. so not battleship potemkin not cabinet of dr caligari but you know the kind of the um this vast swath of the middle that Mm -hmm. has been completely ignored and then in order to do that i try to keep it fun i do celebrity recipes i um i do 
gifs on Twitter. I did say gif. Sorry if that's controversial. Gif, gif. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I just try to keep it light and amusing and keep it out of the sort of dusty shelves territory mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. into more of, you know, this is living history this is fun this is exciting that kind of thing yeah and i really appreciate that um you know when you do get in like you said you try to stay away from the battleship potemkins and mm -hmm. um thankfully the dw griffiths um, yes. <laughs> which we could get into yes. at a later point if you want to but uh i mean whenever i try to go into a sort of a section of film history be it I don't know, black exploitation or 50 sci-fi, you want to get, I mean, sure, there's like, you know, the day the earth stood still, but you right. also want to look at like, okay, what's, um, what's, uh, it, the terror from beyond space, like, you right, know? exactly. Or, Rocky uh, Jones, space ranger, right. Quater mass experiment. Although yes. that one's actually really good, but you know, I mean, it's, it's that sort of a thing. And, um, mm -hmm. I, I guess the first thing we should go into from there is, you had, you've done many movie reviews with yes. uh, movies silently and something I've noticed with you, I think this probably goes to your wanting to get it out of the dusty shelves, but sometimes I find it hard for me to want to, to, to review a silent movie because I think of it purely in, it's amazing that we even have this. I can't complain. Right. right. When I read your reviews, it's like, no, we can look at this objectively. <laughs> Right, and uh, I appreciate that. So we've, so we've seen things like, um, what is that? I read one of your reviews once, and mm -hmm. it was something about like a girl having a connection with an elephant, or something. Oh, like, the soul of the beast. Yes, yes. please. Oh, that one please. is fun. Yeah, <laughs> please. It's please. insane. Yeah, please regale us with this. Uh, because that was really fun to read your review on that. But please regale us about, about this movie and this insanity that ensues. Okay. It, okay. it stars Madge Bellamy, and she's mm -hmm. a circus girl. And she's being abused by the circus people. So she escapes into the Canadian wilderness with her talking elephant named Oscar, who <laughs> speaks in jazz age slang and, like, attempts to kill the villains. He's And he's... They're mistaken for the Antichrist by some <laughs> Canadian farmers. And then she runs into this guy who has a bad foot and a pet rabbit. And they become friends. And But then she's caught by Canadians who, like, enslave her because they think they, think they were going to poach her fur because... Um, yeah, I I, I can't do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 if you're Canadian, I, I'm very sorry. I'm very very sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it just keeps going and going and yeah. steadily becoming more and more nuts. And mm -hmm. it's it's exactly what I love because yes. it, no one's going to make a movie about that nowadays. No, no, certainly not. Same thing with um, other weird ones like um, Trapped by the Mormons is one that I saw once at the mm -hmm. theater. I'm just like I can't. Uh, the villain, you know, he's villainous because he's handing out to travel pamphlets for Utah. <laughs> it's like, what, what is this? Like, what am I, what am I watching? Um, but but that, that's something that you you do with your blog is, is you you really, I mean, like you said earlier. I guess I'm just repeating what you said, but you really revel in bringing out these lesser known films, and right. In that doing, you do find these sillier films. But there's also okay. other ones that. Uh, you've been championing uh, that I have never heard of 
there's mm-hmm. the one what's that one I, i'm so terrible with names but there's oh, don't worry about it there's um it's one that, like you keep bemoaning the fact that there's there's no dvd or video release of it oh michael strogoff yes michael strogoff yep yes mm-hmm. yes that's a oh, awesome movie yeah i uh would love to watch it but there's no way i can <laughs> so michael strogoff oh my gosh it is so amazing because they basically borrowed latvia uh-huh. like army army and everything and staged this giant war and they have all these action scenes and they've got this amazing acting and it's like, it's based on a novel by Jules Verne and so mm. it's it has that adventure sort of spirit that we love and then you know the ladies actually get something to do which is always nice mm. and mm-hmm. it has um Ivan Mozhukin, who I am absolutely insane about, he's a Russian actor who was, who fled the revolution, ended up in France, was an even bigger star, and he was Abogantz's first, uh, first choice to play Napoleon, but oh. he chose Michael Strogoff instead. Huh? How about because that? he wanted the Russian, the yeah. Russian story he uh, wrote. Yeah, clear. Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes plenty of sense. Yeah, he, he felt a Frenchman had to play Napoleon. Okay, okay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your recipes, the, the, these these recipes that you've been collecting, because some of these are wild. You've been yes. going through different silent movie and, and later magazines. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, uh, I think one earlier today was like from Walter Matthau. Yes. Lemonade. I, <laughs> yes. Was I, actually... I just... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I, I just got it. It's called the Celebrity Kosher Cookbook. So oh, it has... Great. It has everyone in the, it's from the 70s. So it has William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, um, Lucille Ball, Sammy Davis Jr. It's got a fantastic selection. And it's from the 70s. And, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. a lot of uh, uh, gelatin based dishes. Um, well, because it's kosher, they um, they have to be careful oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they um, actually, um, it's a lot of like really, um, some of it's really off the wall. Hmm. Like like um, Joan Rivers has canned pears and caviar. And she said that's all she would feed her daughter. Okay. <laughs> and, and, then, um, and then they have like um, mashups, like Red Buttons, his recipe. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's married to a Puerto Rican woman. So his recipe is like a traditional Jewish recipe with a Puerto Rican twist, which is, you know, pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And... Yeah, and um, Sammy Davis Jr. Um, did collard greens, but with um, with beef bones, of course, instead of the pork. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you have that sort of, you know. Okay. Oh, so uh, yeah. you really uh, you avoided the gelatin stuff then with that. I've been picking the yes. kosher one. Good job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. although I love a good Jello mold. Oh, do, I should, okay. I should, yeah, I should, I should bring this out because. Okay. Jello molds. Okay, so I kind of got into it, and I kind of went native, um, a little went bit. Went native with gelatin. I did. I, I went completely native. Okay. I collect. I collect. I have my wall is covered in Jello molds. It's. Oh, I look my. like I'm eighty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I got some on eBay because it was a really good deal, and I just sort of couldn't stop. Um, but like the sweet ones are really good. It's when they start adding things like chicken legs and yeah 
and salmon. Yeah. Um, there was the one uh, I I remember it catching my eye looking you know looking at Twitter, and there was one I think it was like uh, tapioca and tuna or something like that or like yeah, gelatin it, tuna. It, You're just like what? what yeah. Why? Oh. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm just about to post one from Clara Bow, which is like mayonnaise and tuna and gelatin, and you form this. And I have a fish-shaped mold, so I, I um, <laughs> of course Great. I do. I'm expecting and, just only the most gorgeous photos of that oh, fish-based it'll gelatin. be beautiful. Yeah. It'll be gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, um, and I, I should also emphasize that when a recipe completely goes wrong, I do feed it to the outdoors wildlife, so oh, good. nothing goes to nothing waste. Nothing goes wasted. Good to <laughs> yes. know. Were, were there any that particularly wowed you that you've kind of kept in your repertoire of, of, of cooking? Yes. And might yes. I uh, procure those recipes? Of course you, I oh, can, because they're all on the website. Yes, but, you uh, may. Yeah, I, um, I've just, um, my, uh, I, I used to do all the overtime for my work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my wife would make dinner and I would come home because I would always come home late. Well, now they cut out my overtime, and my wife is the one working late to make up for the hours. So now mm-hmm. I'm the one cooking. So I am open. You need ideas. I am open to any and all ideas. <laughs> well, well, one thing that they used to do that is awesome, and I wish mm-hmm. they would do again, is poaching eggs and vegetables. Hmm. Like, like they would do a twice baked potato, except inside is a poached egg. Hmm. And so you cut it open, and you have this delicious twice baked potato and this perfect runny egg and delicious yeah it's like the best of all worlds and then oh gosh what did i make the other day that was so delicious well i don't think you can just feed your wife chocolate mousse i mean it it probably wouldn't be healthy (laughs) i mean you could depends on the day yes Uh but i think um i i I just made an absolutely an amazing chocolate mousse and i just um went crazy for it and then um Carol Dempster, who gets a lot of flack, um, she's like seen as the Yoko Ono of silent films. Carol Dempster, uh, I'm not, I'm yeah, not she, familiar. Oh, um, she replaced Lillian Gish as D.W. Griffith's go-to leading uh, lady, okay. and so of course they blamed the teenager, right? You know, this adult <laughs> man, his his movies go downhill, but like, oh no, yeah. it's the teenager's fault, yeah. you know. Anyway, she has this recipe for French peas and butter, which is basically just peas and like. A metric ton of butter and it's amazing mm, well, i love butter <laughs> yeah you can't you can't go wrong my, my son loves peas i love butter that's uh, gonna hey. be an easy one <laughs> and, and also there was a really good pot roast by pat o'malley um mm-hmm. who i'm not too familiar with his work i've only seen him in like one or two things but it's an amazing pot roast it's like old school vegetables slow cooked fall falls apart you make oh, a yeah. sauce out of the out of the drippings oh. and yeah, I it's probably really do that good. In the crock pot. You could, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good crock pot one to do. Yeah, so I would say those are definitely the winners. Mm. And you thinking yeah. about uh, thinking about making a book, compiling all these, and uh, is that something I'm on the table? P- publishing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it because I've become really interested in um, the transition in American cookery between hmm. good food and really like because. American food was actually, you know, good hmm. uh, before the tur- turn of the 20th century. And then they became enamored of, you know, molded sardines and yeah. canned everything. And they lost all of these wonderful vintage recipes. And um, because there was this movement towards scientific cookery where tidiness was emphasized over flavor. Uh, yes, yeah. I can I can see that. That makes a lot yeah. of sense looking at... 
American cultural shifts, especially yes. throughout the 50s and the 40s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. before that, they had all these cool recipes. Huh. Um, I, I bet they did. I should probably ask my Nana or something, see if she had any good ones. Or but I don't know. Mm-hmm. She was she uh, was a mother in the 50s. So I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. We'll see. Well, my grandma was a rebel. She she put garlic directly into her lamb lamb leg of lamb. Because at the time, they're like, you know, like, wave the garlic over the top and then throw it in a nuclear waste site because it's, you know, far too strong. You're supposed really? to, like, rub the bowl instead of the, instead of the, put it in the salad dressing, you rub the bowl instead. And someone was like, but you don't eat the bowl. And I, so, uh, yeah. Wait, wow, I'm sorry, I'm just flabbergasted by this fact of, uh, uh, garlic phobia that we had yes (laughs) it's crazy i was not aware of that see folks the things you learn when you begin your journey on silent film will lead you to things like this culinary history and the learning of garlic phobia so let's uh inelegantly venture on to the uh topic of your dvd uh production that you've been working on i know uh Uh, well there is an elegant there is an elegant transition because it oh, actually there's... starts with my recipes. Oh, please. <laughs> go, yeah. go right ahead. Oh, I made this absolutely crazy uh, mushroom soup recipe from Francis X. Bushman, which was mushrooms and tapioca. Gross. And yeah, it was weird. And I was stuck with all this tapioca and there's only so much tapioca pudding you can make because I had to buy a huge bag. Mm. And so I was looking up recipes and I found this guy called Robert Kane who had a... Uh, a recipe for wine tapioca soup. And I was like, okay, I'll check and see what what movies he made. And I looked down his filmography and I saw it was an adaptation of Kidnapped. And hmm. I, I love the book. So I'm hmm. like, wow, does that exist? And so I looked it up. Um, the Library of Congress has an American feature film survival list. And I looked it up and I'm like, it survives. And so then I contacted them. I'm like, are there any restrictions on accessing this? Because um, donors can restrict access right. to the physical copy. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's free and clear. And I, then that's snowballed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I spoke with uh, George Williman from the Library of Congress at uh, Capitol Fest in Rome, New York. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, uh, yeah, if, I mean, if you're free and clear rights wise, just pay us a few grand and we can get you a 4K <laughs> digital copy yes. you could do what you will and that yes. uh, fascinated me so that's that's wonderful i did just watch kidnapped i watched it last night which is mm, good yay. uh because it was coming up and i was very busy but uh, i fit it in and mm-hmm. it was terrific now for those who may not know this production of kidnapped well what am i doing explaining it you're the one who worked on it please tell us yeah, all about yay. this production <laughs> Yes. Um, well, it was put out by Thomas Edison's mm-hmm. film company um, the year before they went under because mm-hmm. they tried to re- to launch talkies in 1913 right. and it didn't work. Um, he kind of lost all interest and this producer called George Kleine um, took over a lot of the distribution arm and came up with this idea for Conquest Pictures, which would be a feature and several short films. Mm-hmm. And then in one package, it would. Yeah, it would be, and they said guaranteed censor proof (laughs) and propaganda for all right thinking Americans (laughs) and a family, a family night at the movies, basically. Mm. 
And so Kidnapped was the ninth Conquest release. And I checked in doing my research and discovered that all the pieces existed and were held by the Library of Congress. And so then I, so I kind of, I, cause I knew it would really raise the price of the project because it would increase the length by 50%. Hmm. And with these sort of things, you have to pay for the transfer by how much film is being transferred, which only makes sense. And for the soundtrack, you have to pay by how many minutes they compose for. So I kind of like felt around and asked people if they'd be interested. And they were excited because I know Warner has released some nights at the movies for talkies. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of and um, I always, uh, like gangster pictures and stuff. They, they yeah. Have that in the movies. Yeah. And I always liked them, but yeah. I don't think anyone has done one for silent films. They've done like mock-ups and things like that, but this is mm. like absolutely positively authentic. And yeah. so I launched my Kickstarter to fund it and it was funded within 24 hours. And then, and then I ended up with four feet of DVDs and (laughs) oh my gosh, mailing them out was interesting. And it was just you mailing them out? It was just me. Holy cow. That's a, yes. That's a lot of licking and sealing. (laughs) Yes. I, stamps.com saved my life. Uh They really did. And, um, I got a thermal printer, which was the single greatest investment because it was able to print out the, uh, the postage and the shipping label all in Mm -hmm. one and, with a, and with a, little effort and very quickly, yeah, the th- thermal yeah. printers are very nice. Yeah. Um, uh, and you got uh, Ben. You, you got Ben Modell to do the score. Yes. Uh, was yes, he the he... one sort of just on call for the Library of Congress, or uh, were you able to contact him separately? Or, um, well, we'd been in contact before because mm-hmm. um, I had done some reviews of his films. That because he he's he's like kind of the. I don't know if he was the first to do it, but he's certainly the he's certainly the most um, prolific. The most yeah, prolific with quality output because mm-hmm. um, he finds some really cool stuff that he wants to mm-hmm. that he'll put out, and so he was actually really really helpful because he had been through this process several times by that point, and so he gave a lot of advice, and I um and i asked him if he'd be interested in in scoring it and he said yes and he did a wonderful job and then um my editor in england um christopher bird he worked at photoplay productions he's actually done like physical tinting of film and he understands how everything works um which is nice because most film editors are for, know how to handle sound and sound only mm. And he did an amazing job because we decided early on that we wanted the, the tints to be restored because there were several shots that are day for night. Like, for example, um, in yes. the tower. Yeah, it needs to be because otherwise it just looks like he's in this well-lit tower. And right. it, it's, it doesn't really convey uh-huh. that he almost fell to his death because he couldn't see what was ahead of him. And so um, we studied samples of nitrate film because you can't just look at what's on the film you have to think about how much light would have been put forth by the projector and then also how much mm. the audience was smoking oh my and gosh that's a lot for of the thought, brightness more thought than i thought see i, yeah. see, I was just thinking well it's, it should be easy to do that you just go into adobe after effects and put in like yeah. a little filter no i'm very yeah. wrong well, <laughs> well yeah there's there's a lot to it and also um because these films were seen as a fire hazard. This was 
one mm. of the first big collections that the Library of Congress had of nitrate film. And they were seen as a, a fire hazard. So they transferred them to 16 millimeter safety film right. from 35 millimeter nitrate. Yeah. And so you always lose, it kind of crushed everything. I mean, the quality is still excellent. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job of selling my own thing. Uh, but <laughs> it's okay. The, it, it's, the, it's a hundred years old. People yes. should have a little bit of forgiveness if something yes. just looks a bit warped. And it yes. looks fantastic. And, for a hundred-year-old oh, film, I, yeah, it looks great. They it did does. a wonderful job. Yeah, and they did an HD transfer. The Library of Congress did. They did mm -hmm. a wonderful job, mm -hmm. and they. Um, but yes, and plus, I'd rather have sixteen millimeter than a fire. Oh yeah, you know, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's fine. It's often it's hard to tell a difference for, for me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes. I could always tell nitrate from sixteen millimeter, mm -hmm. but if I'm looking at Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, but the print looks fantastic. And the selection of films is very interesting, too. There's the shorts that come with it. Yes. You know, there's the obviously the feature, which is great. But there's uh -huh. also um, the, the look at the little New England town, you know, which is a pretty yes. cool little... I, I'm not sure if they really just captured those moments or if they were staged. I'm almost certain they were staged. For that it's probably a combination of both yeah. um you, you can see a lot of it they're looking pretty directly at the camera so you yeah. know that they know yeah, yeah right yeah yeah one of the things that really like that made me kind of sit up in my seat was the one where they're they have uh, they're showing microscopic life forms yes uh can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, that was actually um, an example of the thriftiness of the Conquest program because it was originally shot in 1915 and then repurposed for this 1917 program. And Ooh. it's it's amoebas and just assorted creepy crawlies shown under a microscope. And we put in um, a very nice aqua tint um, that I found in an Italian film. I'm, I'm just proud of this particular color, so you have to excuse me. Yeah. And... It's just, I, I love that color. And Chris did a great job of replicating mm -hmm. it. And it's just, I don't know. And then I love that um, Ben Modell, his score for it is kind of almost like a ballet yeah. piece. I do know. It's very and, light. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love that. So mm -hmm. it's very, um, it's very nerdy. It's yeah. like, you know, because before we had like, you know, we had a comedy, a Roman gladiator comedy right. and. And then we had Little Red Riding Hood, and right. then we're suddenly, we're like, okay, now we have our science. Right, and, yes. <laughs> and, but for me, I really enjoyed that part. Oh, because, I, I did too. I, yeah. I just yeah. kind of made me think about, like, um, I don't know how many people would have had access to microscopes that could see things mm -hmm. like that in motion. So it made mm -hmm. me think, like, wow, and it sort of opened my mind to the educational power of film, especially at yes. that time. And that yes. was really cool to think about while I was watching it. John Bunny, um, the comedian, um, was big on that before really? his death. He was, he felt that there would soon be motion pictures in every school. And he wasn't wrong. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah. I, I mean, it was mostly used for like teachers' hangovers. But you know, I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, he was on the right track. Yes, uh, John Bunny. Fortunately, I didn't. Yes. For, for folks who don't know, John Bunny was a, uh, he was sort of the big silent comedian before Chaplin really took off and like, he was the guy and he died in 1915 yes yeah. quite suddenly yeah mm -hmm. he was very uh, he was a bigger man and uh old he was old then at the time I yes. believe he was like in his late 60s or something and 
and he was partnered with Flora Finch, Flora who was Finch. You know, skinny. So they were Finch and Bunny. It was very right. cute. Good mm. marketing. And yeah. she had a nice long career after that. She did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, oh, but also the other part of the series that I noticed is that there's a lot of like, things being eaten in all the shorts because you have this <laughs> pantomime lion yeah. in the gladiator one eating people and then you have oh. the wolf oh, in yeah. Little Red Riding Hood huh. eating people and um, I'm like, for the kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another thing. The, the um, I mean, all these shorts are, are fascinating, really, especially if you're you know historically minded. But but even so, like with the Little Red Riding Hood, it's a silhouette picture. Yes. Done now when we were going into it, I suspected, you know, I, I'd seen the note said silhouette. I was expecting, I guess, um, something more akin to the Pre- Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Yes. Which is animation done in silhouette. Right. What I was not expecting was live action done in silhouette. Yes. Which is fascinating, especially when you get, um, there are certain scenes where the silhouette isn't so perfectly lighted. You can still see a little bit of light, but it yes. adds this fascinating aura to everything mm-hmm. in, in, a, yes. in, in, a, in a very cool artistic way. I like the sheerness, too, in some parts, like yeah. the sheerness of the drapes in Grandma's house. Yeah, yeah. It's just yes. kind of... Uh-huh. Yeah, it kind of adds depth to it. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that brings up an interesting point about tinting. You know, you're talking about tinting earlier. And I guess um, a little controversial in some respects. Yes. Uh, which is weird to me. I mean, granted, I've, I'm 31. So I grew up watching silent films when tinting was just sort of normal. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe growing up silent films the restoration of silent film was already taken a little bit more seriously than it had been in my parents' time. Mm-hmm. Um, and tinting is just sort of normal. But but I guess for some people, it's it, it's not wholly accepted. Right. Um, well, their belief, the basic idea is that if you don't know what the original colors were for sure, uh-huh. you shouldn't guess and put them on. But but my my belief, like, for example, in the case of Kidnapped, you absolutely needed blue yes. in some places. And, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Right. And and I don't think Little Red Riding Hood, because, of course, I've seen it in black and white, and uh-huh. I don't think it pops I was just going to say that, that yeah. I think if that was in black and white, it would be very dull, I, yes. I would think. It, it would look very dull. Yes. Yeah. But also, um, when films were distributed, sometimes they had tinting instructions, but other times, the same film would have different tints by different countries. So... Mm. I'm I'm on fairly solid ground mm-hmm. as far as all that's concerned, um, because with silent films, there was generally never just one release. Like, for example, there would be foreign release prints that were created in a right. camera that was just to the side of mm-hmm. the main print. So, like, I think you can kind of trip yourself up by being too um, worried about absolute authenticity because... Yes. There are some things where there are several correct answers yes. or no correct answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and, know um, yeah. Phantom of the Opera is notably that way. Yes. I mean, you have the 1925 print or the 1930 sound print. This one yes. is based off of foreign cuts. Blah, 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 yes. blah. It goes on and yeah. on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At, at a certain point, I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of that might just be having to do with the territory. The fact that, you know, with silent film, you're dealing with an art film that is 
you know, a hundred years old or over and it wasn't kept very well. Yes. So you just kind of have to do the guesswork. Part of that's kind of fun, but part of that also yes. is really frustrating. I want the Miracle yes. Man, damn it. I want it now. Right. Yes. Um, well, I am all for lost yeah. films. Yeah. Like, if, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, if it's just some, you know, little nothing film that no one was ever mm-hmm. looking for, but it emerges, I'm like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll throw a party. Yeah. You know? I, I want to see that Mary Miles Minter version of Anne of Green Gables. I don't exactly. care if the reviews were crap. I want to see exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, plus, sometimes the reviews were wrong. Yeah. Like, that idiot mm-hmm. Mordaunt Hall in uh, in the New York Times said Michael Strogoff was didn't like Michael Strogoff. And the only thing he liked were the horses named Blackie and Brownie, which were added <laughs> to the American print. And I'm like, oh, my God, this man is a, this man is, he was a twerp. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's great. I'm that's great. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Let's let's finish up talking about your DVD first before I want to get onto oh, yes. some hot silent it's... takes, which okay. uh, I don't know how many people have those, but we do. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but to wrap up, uh, uh, the, the main we haven't even talked about the main feature of your DVD. Uh, yes. Talking about talking about that, um, the kidnapped based off of Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, which I haven't read. But the movie makes yes. me want to read it. It's very good. It is, yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, tell us, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, the main feature, Kidnap. Oh, well, um, Robert Louis Stevenson's book is about this uh, this kid called David Balfour who goes to collect his inheritance from his uncle Ebenezer, mm. which you know, if the name is Uncle Ebenezer, it's not going to end well. And yes. <laughs> right. he's like this crazy miser who. Uh-huh doesn't want to give up one penny which doesn't really belong to him anyway so first he tries to arrange a mwahaha accident yes. and then and then has his his nephew title kidnapped and kidnapped by brigands who are going to sell him in the carolinas and while they're sailing they hit a boat mm-hmm. which the the lone surviving passenger is Alan Breck, who was a real historical figure. And hmm. so he, he comes on board. He was a rebel who fought with Bonnie Prince Charlie and people can, who've watched, who watch Outlander can, you know, yeah. be proud of, be, yeah. you know, be like, I get the connection. <laughs> and anyway, they escape together, he and David and make their way across. And then there's a murder, um, which the film glosses over, but was a major portion of the book. Yeah. Um, I was going to say murder. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. The random guy just shoots Colin Campbell, this guy named Colin Campbell, who was an English landlord. Or, I mean, he was a Scottish oh. landlord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And yeah. so in the book, Alan was not with David at the time. So there's always this ambiguity as to whether or not mm. he did it. And in fact, the English did think he did it. Um mm. And supposedly the real identity of the killer has been passed down for generations and they've never, but anyway, so it's, they're basically trying to cross Scotland, which is really New Jersey and, and get Um, back to. (laughs) I was going to ask about that. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. It is filmed in New York and New Jersey. We think, we think the castles they used were called, um, um, oh gosh, it just slipped my mind. One of them is Paterno Castle. And um, they're they're both they've both been dismantled since then. But mm. it turns out there were an absolute ton of castles on the American East Coast. So mm. you know, news it, to me. It, 
Yeah. Cool. So we had a little castle search, um, and that's what we came up with. Um, hmm. But anyway, um, and then the it's a real ship. They used a real ship for the ship scenes. They bought an hmm. old vessel, and they um, launched it off of Sandy Hook, New Jersey, and filmed all of the um, like land scenes there as well, or the beach scenes. Uh, well, I, I guess beach isn't the right word. Um, pure scenes. Um, whatever you want to yeah, call them by the by the water on yes, the waterfront yes, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so but at that point the american film industry was moving to california edison was one of the holdouts on the east coast um because even though the east coast did offer plenty of attractions for filmmakers there's nothing quite like california for the scenery you get and i always tell people if you want to see why movies came to california drive from like about victorville and just keep following that highway all the way up to lake tahoe and you'll understand mm, mm-hmm. because the scenery changes completely every 30 minutes yeah and yeah. and uh, you're like yeah and then you're like i've seen that the in the east movie. coast myself it's uh it's mostly uh hills and forests it's yes. pretty much it a lake pretty good here if you're, there it's pretty good if you're doing scotland though i mean oh, yeah. i mean Works great. I, i'm sure I'm sure it probably won't fool any anyone actually from Scotland, but it fooled no. me, so I'm happy. And uh, it was New Jersey, and I, th- I believe the other one was Jacksonville, right? It was, they tried to do... Oh, Florida, tried, yes. Yeah, they tried to do Florida. Florida does not have the topography, the interesting yes. topography of uh, California. Certainly not. And then they had... Um, Selig did work in Colorado. Really? And, yeah, and then... Uh, SNA with Chicago, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so they did, and then Cecil B. DeMille. I mean, this is um, take this with a grain of salt, but supposedly Cecil B. DeMille almost wanted to settle in Arizona to make movies, but okay. the light, the light didn't quite please him. Okay. Um, for the desert scenes, so he went to California, which I don't totally believe because if you're shooting desert scenes, I would take Arizona. Right. But, yeah. But yeah. yeah. But that's the story. It doesn't seem too crazy. The only ones that seem baffling to me are, uh, well, Colorado's weird unless you're only doing westerns. Mm-hmm. And Jacksonville they were. is just Jacksonville, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, oh, they had so much fun in Jacksonville, though. They had, they did like, they did like um, a lot of marshy um, guerrilla warfare ones. They have oh. one called the Confederate, the Confederate Ironclad, and they had a nice little battle, and. You know, know you can do things. Yeah. And then um, actually they're releasing this, I believe, as part of the um, Pioneers, Early Women Filmmakers box set from Kino. They're doing the Girl Spy um, series from Calum. And that was filmed, I believe, in Jacksonville. But see, we'll see in a bit. And then if I'm wrong, I apologize. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, but it's it's written, directed or written and starred starring this actress called Jean Gontier and Calum would actually send people not just to Florida, but they sent them to Egypt. They sent them to Ireland. They sent them to Palestine. They mm. were just, wow. you know, that was their signature. I only knew about Billy West in Jacksonville is uh, Billy West, the chaplain impersonator. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of his films. Uh, yeah, no, that's. That, I'm sorry, that's that, that's fascinating. I, I didn't realize that uh, that women's pioneers, women's um, pioneers, of women, uh, whatever that's called, yes. pioneers of women filmmakers. Probably Google it; yes. you'll be corrected, yes. and then you'll find the right thing. Um, 
But that should be coming out soon. I'm very excited for that set. I've heard it's going to have a um, restored version of uh, Hypocrites. Oh, by, um, very good. Uh, what's her name? Lois Weber. Lois Weber. Yeah. Yeah. Lois Weber. I'm excited to uh, excited to see that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> kidnapped. Um, sorry. That's sorry. Okay. No, sorry, I, no sorry. I'm okay with that. It's mm-hmm. If it's interesting, it stays in the podcast. Yay. And it was. Um but yeah, so that's uh, so so that's kidnapped, and it's uh, are you done ex- uh, going through the, the the movie? Oh, the interesting thing is that it was directed by Alan Crosland. Okay. Who, um, he directed Don Juan, which was oh um, yeah, yeah, and then he directed the Jazz Singer. So huh. it's a bit ironic that Edison was trying to launch sound, and this guy who would become a pioneer of sound did it for real. Yeah, <laughs> did yeah later yeah. on. Yeah. But yeah, and so it's his first film. Um, there's an earlier credit on IMDb, but I think it's it's incorrect. Hmm. Um, it's his first film, and so that's really cool um, to see him so early because he kind of specialized in the swashbuckling genre later yeah. on. Yeah. So you can see the the like hints of what he would become. D- did he also do um, the Seahawk? Was that him? No, was... um, that was Frank Lloyd. Okay, all right. Uh, he he did uh, the Beloved Rogue though. Oh, that's one that's on my list that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. I want oh, it's fantastic. Okay. It's absolutely, it's it's another of the strange ones. Really? Strange. Uh, I, I oh, was yeah. expecting just sort of a straight squash buckler. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it has Conrad Veidt in his first American film, and he's like Louis XI of France, and he's this brood nose-picking goblin, and John Barrymore is this goofy poet, um, yeah, he really know, was. He, yeah, I know Max yeah. Swain's in it. Yes, and Slim Somerville from. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a weird movie in that it starts out as very slapsticky hmm. and just um, weird. I, I keep saying weird, but it yeah. really is. It's a strange film, huh. and then it suddenly turns into like this. Uh, it suddenly turns around into this like straight up melodrama. But yeah, it's a blast. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go in, in the uh, Amazon uh, cart. I'm going to get yes. that one next. I've had it on the list yes. for a while. There's a bunch of them. Um, yes. I Definitely guess, recommend uh, that one. I guess Deniba Lungen can wait. Uh, <laughs> see, that's oh, that's my hot take that will get me in trouble is that okay. Fritz Lang is not my favorite, but Fritz Lang sh- is not favorite. One. But let's finish talking about Kidnapped. Kidnapped. Okay. So it's directed by Alan Crosland, which yes. is really cool. And the leading man, Raymond McKee, mm-hmm. um, he was in Down to the Sea in Ships, which is mostly famous for being uh, the movie that introduced everyone to Clara Bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's the same director and star in the slapstick comedy, Friends, Romans, and Leo. Right. Where Raymond McKee yeah. zigzag part and has a wonderful pantomime lion. Mm-hmm. I I'm sort of crazy for pantomime lions, and <laughs> especially when they actually eat someone. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one actually uh, eat someone. I was gonna say, uh, usually... if you like pantomime lions, silent film is for you. Yes, <laughs> if you if that's your particular thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you get a pantomime wolf in yeah. Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I I would say um, Kidnapped is exactly the kind of film that I like to push, where it's it's mm-hmm. not a hidden masterpiece. No, it's just fun. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's what they would have seen. Like right. on an average evening, this is mm. what you would have taken the kids to. Yeah. 
and you would have had a good time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kids would have asked you, did, uh, you know, I can imagine my three and a half year old uh, saying, so is the grandma really eaten now or is she okay? And like, I don't know, son. <laughs> Use your imagination. Yes. The story doesn't tell you. Um, yes. Don't get sick. Don't get old. That's the story. That's yeah, the, that's right. The story. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kidnapped. They, and I really encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, any listeners, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's great to see just that night of the movies of the silent. It really is not done nearly as much as it should be that set up, especially when some of these elements are just in the public domain. I don't know why you're just mm-hmm. throwing them together anyways, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, are there any other DVD projects you have on the horizon that you can tell us about at this time? Can I coax I, you into a, a reveal? Uh, not, not a total reveal, but I do have another, um, conquest program that i'm working on releasing very cool yes all right we're gonna have the whole set by the end of it well that's my goal um i believe um a good number of them are intact which is nice that's great yeah and um and the ones that are missing pieces you can put back together but there's like literally it's one of those things where there's like even if everyone who wanted to was releasing DVDs, we mm-hmm. still wouldn't be able to release everything that was available mm. because there's just so much that's yeah. just waiting there. That's why the Library of Congress is so enthusiastic for these projects. Yes. They were very one. They were wonderful to work with, and they're like, "Yes, please, you know, yeah. if you can give this, give this a quality release, let the public have it, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing." That's something and, George Williman was talking to me about when I when I was talking. Yeah. He's like, "You don't realize." I mean, he he said when he was working in the beginning that he was so focused on the lost films that we have lost so much. But now that he's been doing this for 20 years, he's like, we Mm -hmm. have so much stuff. (laughs) Yes. We can't possibly exhibit it all. Yes. And a lot of it is um, like, for example, they have a lot of um, stuff that is in the public domain, but Mm. is held up by donor restrictions. Mm. So that's a little frustrating. Yes. But but, uh, then again, on the plus side, we have all these things like kidnapped where right. there's nothing stopping anyone. It just, they, it just needed someone to be interested. Right. So I was hoping we could finish up with just a couple quick, uh, silent movie general discussion items. Okay. Um, one of them being, uh, the silent film hot takes. I do okay. want to talk about this. One of the ones, two of the big things that I associate mm-hmm. with, uh, your Twitter feed mm-hmm. are dispelling silent movie myths mm-hmm. and uh, demystifying D.W. Griffith. Yes. Both things of which I am very thankful for. Ah, uh, yes. I am sure you as well as I, you know, we're younger uh, than most silent movie fans. I mean, when I was at Capitol mm-hmm. Fest, uh, it's, you know, mostly folks in their late 50s through, you know, 90s mm-hmm. um so you don't have to dispel myths for them or, or sometimes right. you do uh but you know and explain to my friends what i watch like oh yeah girl on the train track stuff right yes like, and you're like no not really i mean i guess there was that one time but it's not indicative yeah. well uh, and plus it yeah. was a spoof they yes. were spoofing yeah it's like it's it like saying already rife yes. for parody it yeah. was, yes. yeah, because it was from the 1860s, I yeah. mean, for heaven's sake. And, right. yeah, it cracks me up because I'm like, are you taking, like, 
a scene in a comedy film where right. someone does Saturday Night Leap Fever, are you taking that to mean that disco is still a hot right. pop culture thing <laughs> now? I mean, yeah. it makes no sense. Or, you know, and even if it, and it's in like a couple of serials, but it's it's co-ed. Like the guys get tied yeah. up too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, okay, so do you think every 90s movie has a kid? with a house full of booby traps yes you know <laughs> yes setting setting a burglar's hat on fire i mean is that uh, yeah. you know uh, you know I, I think the one everybody always brings up to is teddy at the throttle you know yes. they bring that up and they're like but that's a comedy like i i don't know how yes. to explain this to you any clearer they're spoofing it plus mm. gloria saves herself that's for right. heaven's sake mm. she, you know she, she's already subverted the the uh the, the cliche mm-hmm um, I'm trying to think if there's any. Oh, another one too is uh, people seem to associate it with sort of herky jerky yes. motions and, and sort of clumsy, crude slapstick. Yes. And, uh, usually, I can dispel that pretty quickly and say, "Hey, look, yes. you know, uh, here's a short scene from Wings. <laughs> Get a load yes. of this." Um, and that usually dispels it pretty quickly. But uh, the the I want to say the myths and misconceptions of the 50s and the 60s have had such mm-hmm. a long life. Mm-hmm. Really? Been... Well, and like the other one is that um, silent stars had funny voices and had to uh, no. you know, yeah. quit the industry. And you're like, oh, gosh, no. Singing in the Rain is not a documentary. No, you know? no. There might have been like I... one actor or actress like that. Uh, people like to bring up John Gilbert, but it was like, well, no, that. He had a bad director. That's what his problem was. Yeah. It wasn't and, him. And they gave him terrible dialogue. And yeah. I mean, I think it would have been a completely different story if Desert Nights had been his uh, his talkie debut because mm. it was almost like it's the kind of movie where if it had been made in the 50s, it was the kind of movie that would have had Humphrey Bogart or um, Robert Mitchum in the lead, that mm. kind of thing where it was very hard boiled and dark and sweaty and you know it's good desert noir kind of thing Mm. and it would have been a perfect talkie debut for him but he opted instead to yeah yeah make it a silent and it was a good silent i I think um i mean a lot of cases the reason for the silent film the silent film actors and actresses not continuing on is just simply times change and tastes change Yes. Um, the go-getter of Harold Lloyd is uh, not as enticing in Great Depression era America. Yes. It's something and, that made a lot more sense in the twenties. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. even he had had talky hits. You know, oh, yeah. Welcome Danger was yeah. huge. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and um, and like Mary Pickford, it. She said um, she had a really interesting quote. She said that um, when Chaplin, I, I'm misquoting it terribly, but she said. When Chaplin abandoned the tramp, the tramp came back and killed him, hmm. meaning that his his career wasn't as good after the great dictator. Hmm. Um, and she said, the little girl made me. I wasn't going to let the little girl come back and kill me hmm. because she was known for playing these child roles. Right. And, you know, she pulled it off into her 30s and more power to her. But, um, you know, I, her talkies... I love Mary Pickford. I do. I love her so much. Sure. I, I adore her. She's one of my favorite actresses. But my God, will she stop using accents? <laughs> <laughs> she needs to stop the accents. Oh my gosh! Does she do like these? Um, does she try to do like the continental accent thing, or is she doing something no. else entirely? I'm not. I'm not seeing any of her sound 
word. Oh, well, she did. She did a southern accent, and and then she did a French accent that sounded like Pepe Le Pew, and I'm like, <laughs> no, you know, I I just I, I I'm. Uh, I, there's more to it with their movies. It's very complicated, and I'll I'll cover it at some point. But yeah. that was my quick my quick take was, will you stop this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's and funny. Uh, it, I think she wanted to show off a bit, but um, oh, I see. That, and that would she, make sense. In, in all fairness, she did play a lot of southern and backwoods roles in the silent era. Sure, but I mean, and. And I don't know for a fact because I mean, born and raised in California, but mm-hmm. it didn't sound like a legit Southern accent. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if someone from the South can correct me, but yeah, I, there I you lived have in it. Georgia for four and a half years. I could probably give it a listen to see, yeah. see what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Give it a listen and tell me. Yeah, tell me yeah. what you think because... um, But another one of your uh, silent hot takes has to do with uh, the demystification of D.W. Griffith. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. Oh boy. Yes. He, oh yeah. Uh, He's kind of, I, I think of him, I, I remember having to watch uh, Birth of a Nation for mm-hmm. film class, you know, and mm-hmm. just sort of thinking like, so this, huh? <laughs> this is yeah. the big one? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it thinking cracks like, me up. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's the worst. He's, he's oh gosh. I, it, watching Birth of a Nation, I'm just like, this is so, like, what a blowhard. That's kind of all yes. I thought about was what a blow. Pompous ass. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, it, he thinks yeah. so high of himself. My goodness. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, being surrounded by yes men and women like Lillian Gish mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Richard, Richard Barthelmus or sure doesn't uh, help. It Well, the thing is, I, I mean... I kind of wish he had started a cult because it probably would have been less damaging. <laughs> um, but, but I know, I mean, seriously, watching his movie with Birth of a Nation, it's not even that good. Like no. People are like, oh, it's wonderful. I'm like, are you kidding me? I yeah. mean, like, did you see the live picture frame thing? I'm like, that is sloppy. Yeah. They couldn't get a picture taken? Yeah. You're telling me? And, 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 yeah. and the first oh. part of it is so stagey. Like, even for yes. the time, it's stagey. Yes. And it moves so slow, and it plods, and... And 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 then people are like, oh, the first half isn't racist. I'm like, no, it's just drawing room racism. Right. Not <laughs> burn the cross racism, right. that which are intrinsically linked, yes. and yes. are just as evil. It's just that one is more obvious to condemn, you right. know? Right, right. Oh, gosh. And then the acting, because some people are like, oh, he introduced subtle acting in Birth of a Nation. I'm like, have Heavens you seen no. this movie? Yeah. Oh. oh. Just, just wa- watch a oh, scene yes. from Maurice Tourneur's work, and you, it'll dispel yes. the notion entirely. Yes. And it just, it drives me crazy because um, people are like, oh, it was the first film shown at the White House. I'm like, no, it wasn't. No. And they're no. like, prove it. And I'm like, here's the invitation. Yeah. Um, Teddy Roosevelt's had screenings at the White House. Woodrow Wilson screened Kiberia the year before Birth of a Nation. He only screened Birth of a Nation because um, Thomas Dixon begged him. And um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to defend Wilson because Wilson was no, was a, no, 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 no. Was a yeah. jerk. I, I'm just yeah, saying that yeah. he never wrote. He yeah. never said it was history written in lightning. Yes. He didn't actually say, "Hey, yes, let's watch this movie at the White House." You know, yes. he knew he knew it was dynamite. Yeah. Um, and not in the good sense. And then yeah. people are like, oh, no, everyone was racist back then. I'm like, will you please read some 
African-American film yes. writing of the period, which existed. Yes. People protested it then. Yes. Yes. So, you yeah. know, by calling something that was called racist back then racist now, you're not putting modern standards on it. You're just being a human being. You're right. You know? Right. And the, uh, I mean... I haven't really watched a lot of Griffith's work. I feel like I'm not really missing a lot, other than I guess oh. the ice flow chase in way down east. But oh well, okay, yeah. 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 Well, I have to say, yeah. Um, I do enjoy Griffith's early short work, like um the one yes. with the eagle nest. <laughs> that one. Yes. Yeah. Biograph. Rescue from an yes. Eagle nest. yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, and also, um, he would. Okay, so uh, my very controversial and shared by like one other person on the internet mm -hmm. D.W. Griffith opinion okay. is that um, he was a miniaturist I mean huh. that even though he was known for creating this epic stuff his best work was actually his early stuff which mm. were these like 10 20 minute yes. films Musketeers and, of the Galley yeah. yes yeah. yes and the New York Cat mm -hmm. and just very sensitive works and that's what built his reputation that's what allowed him to make feature films mm -hmm. and um i feel that that is where the artistry is of him hmm. also um he wasn't really um he still had racist ones because of course he did but oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um but it's not as like you can avoid a lot of bad stuff with him uh, but but anyway, yeah, that's that's the D.W. Griffith um, thing is that I feel that his um, his early shorter stuff was much mm. stronger than his uh, his later um, yeah epic stuff. You know, I, I, so. you know, I, I can see that. Um, I have mm. seen a New York Hat, and that was enjoyable. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. uh, I did like Musketeers of Pig Alley, so mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, rescued from an eagle's nest is wonderfully silly. Yes, um, with a big old. Fake eagle carrying off a baby. <laughs> yes, but I, I believe he only acted in that one. So. Oh, did he? Oh, he didn't. Yeah, was that Edwin yeah. S. Porter then who directed it? I think it may have been Porter, but gosh, we'll have to look it up. But yeah, well, yeah look it, it up, was, listeners um, at yeah, home. Yes, well, um, but yeah, that's as far as I'll go with that. But yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think with Griffith, because people are like, oh, he was never given a chance. Oh, that awful Carol Dempster and things like that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. he was given a billion chances. Yeah. You know, they kept, people kept giving him money and yeah. he would make something, you know, stupid and yeah. no one wanted to see it. And, you know, what was the one? There was one he even did with like a sound opening to it, like in the early twenties. Um, oh yes. Um, Dream Street. Dream Street. I was going to say Easy yes. Street, but that's a Chaplin short. Um, yes. Yeah. Dream Street. Uh, and yes. it's him just bloviating all over the place, you know. I invite yeah. you to watch Dream Street. And it's just, ugh. <laughs> it makes you gag. Um, and, and, and then he did like, he, he tried, because people are like, no, he did it all for art. I'm like, oh, baloney. Yeah. He took, he took, okay, he got rid of Lillian Gish uh -huh. by um, letting her direct her own film. Uh-huh. Um, but that was his way of getting rid of her so that he could go to the go out to the South Sea Islands to film with um, Carol Dempster and um, Clarine Seymour, the, mm. the other leading ladies he was pushing. So he shoved her aside. He went out and he made these trashy pot boilers out in the middle, you know, out in the ocean. Mm. And, you know, um, and they didn't work like because 
the idea of a of a independent film distributor of the time was that you had to make these program fee- program films hmm. um, that would pay the day-to-day bottom line and then you'd have these big specials that were supposed to be the blockbusters Mm -hmm. and so his problem actually he and Cecil B. DeMille had the same problem where their programmers were too expensive and didn't make enough money to buoy them along and so but the difference is that Cecil B. DeMille's popularities were a lot fun more fun Mm, Um, I believe that yeah, but but Griffith. So I mean, this idea that Griffith was like this man of, you know, pure artistry is is complete baloney because mm-hmm. he was perfectly willing to make trashy films to support himself. It's just that they didn't make that much money. No, yeah. Um, and you were saying too about uh, Fritz Lang that being one of your uh, other hot um, hot takes. How do you feel oh, about Fritz Lang? I'm I'm okay with him. Okay. I don't think he's that great. That's okay. that's the f- so that's that's the problem. It's like um, I published a list of my favorite silent film directors, mm-hmm. and number one was Cecil B. DeMille because you know he's so entertaining, mm-hmm. and um, and then I also had um, for Germans Paul Laney and okay, yeah. Ernst Lubitsch. Oh yeah, and I love them so much, mm-hmm. and. I had these people absolutely jump down my throat for not choosing F.W. Moore now and Fritz Lang. And I'm like, but I don't like them as well. You know, this is my list. You can have I, your list. I, I don't understand. Opinions I are opinions. You can, I, I don't understand this. You can you can go make your own blog if you want to. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's just that these are my particular favorites. Because uh-huh. um, Lubitsch, um, Lubitsch, it's hard because... You get it on both sides because you get the Fritz Lang fans, the F.W. Murnau fans, get uh-huh. mad at you because he's apparently not snobby enough. But oh. the people who like who like rom coms <laughs> and stuff get mad at you because they think he's too snobby. So I'm like, mm, Ernst yeah. and I will be over here by, yeah, you know, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I just ask because you know Metropolis is just I, I, I feel like more and more that one is being lifted up as kind of one of the great silent films whereas before maybe not so much but as it's been mm-hmm. restored and re-restored and re-re-restored mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's gotten a lot more attention especially as yes. um, sci-fi and fantasy films kind of take more center stage in the blockbuster market yes. uh, and you know quote unquote geek culture gets yes. kind of more of a, a foothold in mainstream media I feel like Metropolis has been bolstered Yes, um, definitely. Which, uh, I I think someone when someone found out that I enjoyed silent films, they said, "Oh, do you, you like Metropolis? You see Metropolis?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have the Kino restoration, so but not the most recent mm-hmm. one. But I think that's okay. I have enough mm-hmm. Metropolis. Two hours is enough." <laughs> and well, um, yeah, I call it the Fritz Rasp cut. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this, the new restoration because basically it's just. I mean, there's other things that they've added, but it's yeah. pretty much just Fritz Rasp's character, the thin man going yes. around. Yeah, yeah. And so I just saw it actually in uh, March, I think, um, mm. with a pipe organ score, uh, which was awesome oh, because yeah. it's oh. like it's early surround sound, you know. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I, I love the theater. Quick aside, I thought theater organs were the cheesiest thing in the world yes. until right down the street from my house. Uh, actually, uh, I live in the town where Wurlitzer was. 
So, in fact, uh, I often pass by it on the way to uh, Glee Club because I'm that kind of a nerd. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, it was really cool. But right down the street from me is an original installation, 1926 Wurlitzer pipe organ. Oh, how fantastic. And I went there once to go see a silent film, as I want to do. And he played, this guy, he played um, Send in the Clowns on the pipe mm-hmm. organ. And it darn near moved me to tears. I could not believe yes. that a theater organ could sound that good. I was, yes. and I've been a big old fan ever since. But yes. anyway, yeah, it's pipe amazing. organs are great. Listen to theater organs. <laughs> They're wonderful. Yes. They're not cheesy, yeah. I swear. Yeah, because uh, it recorded, you don't get the you don't get the physical rumble. No, yeah, because because you feel it. You don't mm. just hear it. Right. Because before before I was like, uh, organ score, uh, yeah, you know. Right. And then when you actually experience it in person, you're like, oh, yes, this is wonderful. It, it, it is really a a symphony facsimile. Yes, uh, you know, it, and it rumbles up through you, like you were saying. It's it's great. If if there are any yes. theater organs in your area, I highly recommend going to a concert. It's terrific. Yes. It's terrific. Yeah, I went to the one in San Diego, and mm. um, it's it's an original silent era installation. So awesome! It was the real thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, but yeah, um, I find Metropolis. Um, I mean, a lot of people love it, and that's mm. cool. You know. But it's it's it not really cool. my favorite. Yeah. I love spies. For Fritz Lang, I love spies. I, I think haven't seen it. That yeah. is fantastic. That's the one? <laughs> yeah, the, for me, it All is. Right. All right. I, well, hey, I mean, yeah. I, give, I mean, I'm kind yeah. of voracious with this stuff. So any time I hear about a new silent film, it's... It, it, you know. it pretty much, like, I'm always hesitant to say anything is the first or that yeah. it invented things. Yeah, you get in trouble but, when you introduce something that way but but this is the foundation block of espionage films as we know it oh very cool you know the numbered secret agents you know oh really even even that far yeah and uh, get my buddy seth to watch that with me oh yeah yeah and the and the finale is i mean i won't give it away because it's great but Mm. the finale is absolutely fantastic hmm and so, yeah. So I yeah. say I'll say I love that, but, yeah. um, but yeah, Fritz Lang, I'm like, okay, I'm, yeah. I I love M, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I tend to like him a little grittier, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, less less fantasy sci-fi, more yeah. grime grit film noir. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I mean, I kind of bought. The Nibelungen almost sight unseen because I had mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine was um, showing me. Uh, we do these things, uh, folks at home, we do these things with my friends called UHF Nights where we uh, collect a bunch of videos on YouTube and act like and pretend like we're creating our own little UHF station, mm-hmm. which is very silly, but it's fun. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the one of the little YouTube videos that my friend had pulled used scenes from the Nibelungen and as a music mm-hmm. video. I was like, what is this movie? Why does that yes. dragon look so cool? I have to see this. So yes. uh, we'll see if it's actually good. Um, yes, but uh, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, yeah I, I with Fritz Lang, I'm I'm kind of he plods. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, and I'm all for German pacing. Yeah. Like, I've enjoyed like the Indian Tomb. I I I am obsessed with that movie. Indian Tomb is by um is that Lubitsch? It's a uh, Joe Mai. Oh my, I'm not familiar. 
um, he um, he was a director. He did like these adventure films that were in for, very orientalist um, mm. in, in foreign locales starring his wife, Mia, who was like, you know, she was a mom with an adult daughter and looked it, which is kind of awesome to me. Hmm. <laughs> but the, the action heroine is, you know, this extremely matronly person. Hmm. And some some people got upset about that at the time. They were quite unkind about her appearance. And I'm like, no, this is fantastic. You know, this is great. This hmm. is, you know, yeah. any, and um, it's about Conrad Veidt and he wants to build, he hires, he is an Indian prince. He hires an architect to build a tomb for his wife. His wife's not dead. He's going to fix that. And um, he, because she's having an affair and he has a lion or a tiger pit. So, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely wonderful, you yeah. know. And Fritz Lang wanted to direct it, but he was pushed aside and he was bitter all his life. So then he remade it in the 50s with uh, Deborah Paget wearing very, very, very small costumes. and <laughs> But he didn't have tigers. He had like tiger puppets. So oh, it was no. like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, oh, it was, no. it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty weird. Oh, but anyway, so that's the Indian tomb. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fritz Lang, a little plotting. Uh, and F.W. Murnau, uh, Faust didn't win you over? Didn't, uh, Not really. Sunrise? Mm-hmm. No. Sunrise is fantastic. Yeah, Sunrise I, is I, I love I love Sunrise. I thought Finances of the Grand Duke was fascinating because it was him trying to do Lubitsch, and it shows you how hard Lubitsch hmm. is to get right. Hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, you, you, I mean, obviously, you've seen a lot more than I have. Uh, you have a giant list of these reviews that, that you've done. So um, I, I guess we can bring that to if you're looking to get someone into silent films if you or mm-hmm. if let's say you know you, you ask me your friends are maybe a little skeptical you say hey let's watch one together mm-hmm. uh you and me what are you what do you tend to go for what what are your beginner picks well i find if they're more kind of persuadable mm-hmm. um oftentimes if you go for the dead obvious but mm-hmm. short like a trip to the moon is always a hit because they want to see the movie with the moon. Yes. And, yeah. And Charlie Chaplin, um, mm-hmm. actually the kid auto races at Venice. Um, I've had a lot of success with because the minute they see it's Charlie and it's such a silly little film, you know, yeah. nothing to follow. It's just him, you know, mugging at the camera and it's, yeah. it's, it's cute. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and then I've had, um, oddly enough, really good success with Judex, which is a French serial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, from like com- the late 19-teens, right? Uh, yeah, it's like 1916. And yeah. it's the original Caped Crusader. It's it's abs- It's very French. and Yeah, it's, French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. yeah. It, not, not French as in French postcard, but French as right. in french right and yes just a, just an attitude a general attitude of yeah, frenchness yeah yeah yes and i th- and i think because um it's very modern in mm-hmm. in the way it's put together you know a, this vigilante vows revenge against a corrupt banker you know it's like okay I'll, i can get behind that mm-hmm. and and they're so um and the it's it's so very stylish mm-hmm. that I think it kind of catches people unawares because I was watching it with my friend and her family, 
I mean, we were doing something else and her family ended up finishing the whole thing on their own and they were not silent film fans. And no. it's like four, it's like four hours or wow. something. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that's, and, that is success. And then um, Hell's Hinges I've had success with. That's a good movie that I watched on your movie. recommendation and I'm Yay! very thankful for it. That movie was great. I was... Oh. I I don't know what I was expecting with William S. Hart. I had never seen one before, um, a William S. Hart movie. But uh, that was really good. Yes. Uh, so much so. I wanted to see uh, The Tollgate next because oh, I heard that's a yes. good way to go. It is playing uh, in my hometown of Rochester tomorrow. Oh, wow. And a 35 millimeter film print because, you know, Rochester oh. has the, the, the Eastman house. Yes. So, yes. Uh, which was just growing up a silent film fan. I was in heaven uh, with oh, the yeah. with the George Eastman house, um, being like in my backyard. Oh yeah. But um, alas, I have plans, so I have to stay in Buffalo Curses. for the evening. But what are you going to do? More podcasting stuff. Yes. So uh, my wife is. Um, um, uh, she's getting together a. Uh, to, to show you the breadth of this podcast, the breadth of nostalgia and <laughs> old stuff, she's getting together a podcast all about the history and uh, evolution of Disney Channel original movies. So, oh, if fun. you want, if you want, she orig- she previously did one on Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies mm-hmm. as well, oh, and wow. that was fascinating because you know I didn't How- grow up, I didn't grow up with that stuff, you know. Yeah, um, I didn't either. Yeah. yeah, I'm like slightly. Oh, yeah. d- is she? How far back is she going? Is she going back to um, like the fifties, sixties, Wonderful World of Color? I'm or going. I, I'm. I'm going to bring up that stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of because uh, she grew up mostly with the nineties stuff, you know, right. the Disney Channel stuff. Right. But I'll I'll bring the academic stuff into it. Yes. Um, yes. I haven't seen in like David Crockett or stuff like since I was little. Little. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched all those. Yeah. Yeah. I know she's yeah. seen uh, she's seen a lot of obscure ones. She's like, "What? You haven't seen so dear to my heart?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, that's a movie." Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's fascinating to hear from her uh, what those things meant to her growing up. Exactly. You know, because exactly. I didn't because you bring your own thing, yeah. your own experience, right? And and yes. I, I watched a couple. Uh, I I hope to to be able to watch a couple with her and just kind of ask her questions about like so right so did you like you know when you're a kid like what does this mean to you you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I hope to be able to bring that out that's what I hope to do with this podcast um, yes. hopefully it works if it doesn't I had fun who cares yeah um, but uh, I I mean for me I I tend to have a lot of success with Harold Lloyd movies yes I feel like that kind of um, carries well. There's sort of a, a general attitude that's just gonna. It they have a good pace. Uh, yes. They're funny, and Harold Lloyd isn't a grotesque like almost every other silent film comedian. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chase would probably be a really good intro. Oh, he's fantastic! Oh, I yeah, love he's Charlie great. Chase. Um, yeah, I have a couple uh, DVD. Well, just one DVD set of his. Um, that's the yellow one. <laughs> um, but but that's wonderful. The milestone set. Yes. Um, I bet Crazy Like a Fox would be perfect. 
Yes, for, for and also Mighty Like a Moose. Mighty Like a Moose, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. The plastic surgery one, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, because I think especially now it's yes. even funnier. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and they, they just yeah. have such modern pacing. And I, and I think yes. that really helps when selling these to show like, no, these aren't dusty old things. Right. They were people just like us. Yeah, very <laughs> and modern. turns out they wanted the same stuff out of their entertainment. Yes. And, they want uh, a variety. Right, yeah. And, and uh, the comedies tend to work well. I tried with, because uh, Katie has, seen, my wife has seen, um, Katie, my wife, I'll refer to as Katie. You know, <laughs> and, uh, but she's seen um, a few silent films with me. She tends to like the comedies more, but I right. think that's because the first silent drama I showed her was Kabiria. And I think oh. that, and I've had a couple of people told me that was a mistake, and I think it was, was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, for appealing to, um, I, you know, I'm going to say, like, Barbed Wire is a really good one. I have not seen, I've not heard of Barbed yeah. Wire. It's very sensitive. It's, yeah. it's, it's a POW romance. Um, okay. Yeah, they, they build a POW camp in this French woman's backyard, mm. <laughs> and she falls for one of the German soldiers. World War One German, I must emphasize. Yes, um, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. And but it's it's very sensitive, and you mm. know, just it it has everything you want, and you know, a few laughs, a few tears, you know, yeah. the usual. Mm -hmm. You know, they put on a good show. Yeah. What well, what is the name of that one again? It's called Barbed Wire. Barbed Wire. Okay. And has um Paula Negri and yeah. uh, Cl Clive C Clive Brook, who is okay. unusually animated. Hmm. <laughs> and. <laughs> Um, uh, another one, Paul Negri again, A Woman of the World. It's about a countess. Uh, who, yeah. I, I've a, heard of it. Not yet seen her, it. Yeah, yeah. Gets her boyfriend's tattoo, okay. um, her, his crest tattooed on her, and then he dumps her. And she's like, ah, tattoo mistake. Goes mm. to America. I know, because I, I showed, I, we watched um, Wings together. Mm -hmm. And I think she liked that, except for the fact that it is kind of long. Wings mm -hmm. is Wings is a little long. So. I I think it is. Yeah, and it it's very World War One movie ish. You know. Yeah, it, it it is it's epic in every sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of yeah. being too long, as well. Um, I loved Wings. I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know, it's a stellar the the stunts and all that. But it is it is mm -hmm. long. Barbed wire sounds like a good uh, alternative to that if you're looking yeah. for an entry. Yeah, it's more of an emotional. Um, mm -hmm. I mean. If that's if that's because yeah. some people go more for the stunts, some people go more yeah. for the. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would definitely say. Um, oh, and then I actually would recommend Battleship Potemkin, if it's the Kino restoration, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. because the one that most people see is playing at the wrong speed because the Soviets wanted a Shostakovich score and Shostakovich was dead, and mm -hmm. so they had to make the movie fit his music. And so they stretched the movie. Oh, no. Yes. So it's way too slow. Oh, and no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's terrible. And so when you actually see it, like, at the correct speed with the right score and everything, mm. it's a revelation. And, and that goes back to, to, we're talking about the myths of um, silent movies being, you know, people saying that they're too jerky. And mm -hmm. I feel like stretching it out too long is sort of the overcorrection Yes. That we got briefly. Yes. There was a W.C. Fields film that was released, uh, Silent One, and it featured an overcorrection in terms of 
speed and it was two yes. hours long and you're just like this is uh, wc fields this should be 70 minutes tops right i don't know what you're thinking um yeah there's this idea that it has to be 16 frames per second it's like no no it varied um, it, yeah it, it completely varied i um speaking yeah. of rochester uh uh going back to that james card who worked with the george eastman mm-hmm. house i read his book and that um oh i love him yes yeah, seductive cinema and nice. he talks all about just the 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 pains he went through to trying to get um, speed, you know, like the right the real right speed, right. not sixteen frames, not twenty four frames, but the real speed of it's everything. Yes, you know, it it depends per film, and even scenes within the film, like there's instructions in one film I saw yeah. where they said speed up during this action scene projector. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. go faster. Uh, yeah, cue sheets came with films. Um, there's something I would love to get into more. And in fact, I hope to eventually be able to interview a couple of people more specifically about silent film music. But talking oh, about, um, like, I'd love to talk to Ben Modell and mm-hmm. uh, Joe Renato. Joe mm-hmm. Renato, who has an American photo player. Just yes, one of those like player so cool. organs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I want to just put him on and just kind of listen to him talk for 20 minutes yes. <laughs> see, see what it see what we learn but, but yeah those are those are great picks a lot of the ones that you mentioned i have not seen um i i have a lot yet to educate myself and i i think it's easy for me uh because so f- so few read almost none of my friends watch silent movies i feel like a big old buff <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know and uh it just goes to show uh uh, the friends who are listening, friends of mine who are listening, I'm not the expert. She is here, uh, Fritzy Kramer. Please go to moviesilently.com. Is it is moviesilently.com, correct? It is. Yeah, yeah. go there. Like my tastes are my tastes. I'll bet what I like may not be what you like. Mm-hmm. I love um, Harry Langdon. <laughs> He's not for everybody. <laughs> Clearly. I love Harry Langdon too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, um, I, I'm, I'm defending yeah. Harry oh, yeah. Langdon. I'm like, oh, don't yeah. you even? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Long, but, oh, I'm totally with you. I, I love long pants. Uh, I love how dark it is. Like, I'm not I, quite there on long pants. Oh, it's. I, I think it's gutsy. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Which one? Oh, um, no, I, I, I like the strong man. Strong man's great. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, but yeah. see, that's that's what I'm trying to encourage is yeah. get out of the canon. Yes. Where everyone likes something different, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, like Ben Modell is into like this really like obscure silent comedy, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know? uh, I, I bought Pulled his collection out. on um, um yes. uh, Marcel Perez. I was mm-hmm. just like, I've, I've never seen this face before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he'll dig it up. So, yeah, and it's it's great. And then um, Edward LaRusso, who also does the crowdfunded releases, he does a lot of Marion Davies, which is fantastic. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, the fact that everyone is is into something different, um, it gives every it gives us all more variety, and we mm-hmm. can have more to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, uh, Marion Davies. Another quick aside. That's a great mm-hmm. beginner silent film. Is show people. Yes, that you're right. Film is fantastic. I love. You're show absolutely people. right. Um, it's even meta. Yeah, it is. Even at the time, yeah. uh, Marion Davies her, plays herself, and she walks through, and and Marion Davies playing the the hayseed actress. Like, oh, I don't like her very much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> and her doing uh, the 
the uh, the Gloria Swanson faces yes. the whole time. The... Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny, so yeah. cute, so everything. Marion Davies, man, she should be better known. I yes. love her. That, the Patsy. Um, even when Nighthood was in Flower, even though it has all these costumey yes. stagings, she still comes through as a perfectly natural actress, uh, yes. a perfectly natural comedian. Yes. Um, yeah. Mary just, Davies, folks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's because yeah. so ma- there's this belief. Um, talk about old beliefs that need to die. Yes. There's this belief that um, there were no s- silent women comedy stars oh, and geez. it's like no you just haven't been yeah. watching them enough you know the, the, like yeah. i mean obviously mabel normand is the is the yeah. comedy queen but you know marion davies worked in more of like a rom-com level right. of things and it was they did overlap oh fantastic yeah. and and you know mabel was more custard pies and then moved on to rom-com yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. you know and and that's amazing too and clara bow was hilarious yeah, yeah. It, you know? um, I remember watching it for the first time as it was mm-hmm. on YouTube and I had no other way to watch it. Um, and thinking, uh, cause I feel like that's another one that's sort of paraded as sort of like one of the big of silent movies is yes. it, Claire Bow's it. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to watch her like, no, this is, uh, this isn't artsy. I like, I, I don't know yeah. why I was expecting that, but it's just a really solid rom-com. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's exactly. what it is. It's, it's a fun. super solid rom-com. Yeah. Um, and I was and, really pleasantly surprised by that. Oh, and Colleen Moore is hilarious. Yeah, I um, still have not seen any of her work. I have, um, um, I have uh, Why Be Good sitting over here next to yes. me and not yet watched. Ella Cinders is fun, too. Yeah. And it has a Harry Langdon cameo. <gasps> I love Harry Langdon, like I said. Yes. Yeah, yes. all right. So, yeah, Ella Cinders is, is great. And um, I don't know, you can't, be, you can't be sad watching a Colleen Moore movie. Hmm. She just... e- even when she's older, I've I've watched uh, the Hollywood uh, celebration of silent film, the big mm-hmm. thirteen part documentary series. Mm-hmm. Even just watching her regale stories, yes. you know, at eighty years old, she's still so yes. charming. Just exudes yes. it, pours it out. Beatrice um, Joy too. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another person of whom I've not seen any of her work. So. Oh, Eve's leaves. I have to put in my plug. Eve's leaves. Eve's leaves. Eve's leaves. Yes. Okay. You have to, she's a she's a female sailor who can't get a Shanghai's. Okay. <laughs> the the first attractive guy she finds. Okay. <laughs> Eve's leaves. All right. Which yeah, it goes over about as well as you can imagine. All right. Um, yeah. So Let's check that it's, out. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, I guess uh, we should probably start wrapping up. I have, right. I have kept you so long. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm no, sorry. no, I'm no, sorry. I, 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 yeah, no, that's all right. Um, a lot of great material. Uh, oh, this, this is all good. Very fascinating conversation. Uh, but uh, real quick, just shoot off real quick, uh, your favorite silent movie-going experience. Actually going to the theater. Um, okay, I have, like, major crowd anxiety, so I okay. don't actually go to theaters all that often. Okay. But... The best one I've ever had, let's see, probably Mara Nostrum. It's um, directed by Rex Ingram, okay. who I generally, yeah. I generally consider to be like good but kind of long-winded, um, okay. although Scaramouche is one of my favorite movies. But anyway, it's it's a Matahari tale, and it has 
um, Antonio Moreno and Alice Terry, of course. Mm-hmm. He start he put his wife in everything, and it had this absolutely amazing live piano score by Philip C. Carley. Ah, <gasps> uh, he's a resident uh, piano player in Rochester, where I used to see uh, sound the movies constantly. Oh, I love that guy. You know he's good. Oh yeah, he's good. Oh yeah, he's, he's good. good. Mm. Yeah, and it was like so heart pounding and mm. fantastic. Yeah, it was absolutely an amazing experience and i think um it being live helped because normally with live screenings it doesn't change my opinion of a movie like Mm. i like it more or i enjoy the music (laughs) yeah and i'm polite about it but with this one it was like you could tell that his playing made the film yes and it was so good he is so good at that he is he has sold many i i actually did an interview with him on uh, oh. my most recent podcast at Capital Fest, and I got oh, to talk to him great. and uh, talking to him about um, some of his favorite moments. And he mentioned one where he was playing for, I think it was Too Many Kisses with Richard Dix. Mm-hmm. But he talked about how he was playing, and and you know Richard Dix is riding up the mountain, and and the camera pans slowly upwards and. He talks about how he hit the crescendo at just the right moment and you could hear the gasps in the audience. And he's like, yes, mm-hmm. I did it. I did it. Um, oh. I got him. Uh, but one I remember, which is also another Philip C. Carley. It's funny. Uh, we both had uh, uh, Philip Carley uh, mm-hmm. movie-going memories. But I saw him play for Peter Pan with Ooh, uh, Betty Bronson. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally what they were going to do was they were going to have um, – James Card at at the Eastman School of Music used to have his students play for silent films in like the basement and he would record them on reel-to-reel tapes. And so what we were going to hear was one of those reel-to-reel tape soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but as happens with magnetic media, a lot of it bled through. Um, mm-hmm. So it was unlistenable. And they played a little bit of a sample for us to let us to let you know, like, no, really, we couldn't play this. We're so sorry. Right. But instead, I guess you'll have to suffer through Philip Carley playing. <laughs> and so, oh. you know, he, you know, very graciously come out and uh, and he was wonderful, of course. But there's a point in the movie where Peter Pan, where Tinkerbell, of course, is, is dead mm-hmm. after trying to save Peter. And he implores the audience to clap their hands to bring mm-hmm. and he and uh the Disney movie doesn't really do this, but in, in in the silent version, it echoes the stage play where mm-hmm. Peter Pan comes out and says, you, you got to bring her back, you know, clap for Tink. Mm-hmm. And Katie and I were sitting behind a father and her little girl, and she was going nuts, just oh. like uh, letting it rip. And Philip Carley's doing a little tinkling on the piano to try to, you know, encourage the audience to clap. Yeah. And that was just... Uh, it's one of those fill your heart moments. You oh, know? that's like, great. Oh, this is good. This is this is all that is right. Um, that's wonderful. But that's uh but yeah. Um so let's uh get out our plugs. Uh tell okay. us where let's uh where can we find you? What are you working on? All that fun stuff. Okay. Something we may not have talked about. Okay. Yeah. Um you can find my um website. Um mm-hmm moviesilently.com my twitter at moviesilently mm-hmm. and i just launched moviesilently.media which is 
um, information on my um, DVD release. I hope to be plural at some point. All right. And um, I'll, of course, announce it to the world as loudly as possible once I once I get the next one down. And um, I'm doing a collab, a Jello collab. All right. <laughs> with Silver Screen Suppers, <laughs> who is like the... Um, Let's see, the uh, grand dame of, of celebrity recipes. So <laughs> oh, I am very excited to be working. I her. am too. That's going to be yes. really fun. <laughs> That's yes. going to be great. Uh, other than that, I have like a billion things in the background that aren't quite ready enough to share because mm. then they'll be like, why haven't you finished it? And I'll be, I'll be caught. Uh, well, thank you very much for agreeing mm. to uh, be on here. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Oh, I'm glad. Um, and I wish you, of course, all the success in the world with all these projects coming up. They sound wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Once again, we'd like to thank Fritzy Kramer of Movie Silently for agreeing to come on this podcast and have a conversation about uh, the greatness of silent movies. Hopefully, if you already know some things about silent movies at least you found some camaraderie in the discussion and if you have gotten this far and you're like hey i want to check out some silent movies well i hope that's the case because moviesilently.com is a great place to go there's a lot of reviews and uh editorials and things like that that are a lot of just fun um like she said she she really works hard to get out of the um, the stentorianness of it all, and yeah, maybe go check out there, look at a review, and see if there's something you might that might interest you, and go check it out. Oh, of course, there's always my plugs. You can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Lockhart on Twitter and on Instagram at Nathaniel Lockhart. There, you can also check out the Memory Machine. Uh, well, no, it's not the. It's MemoryMachinePod.com. And that is, will give you instant uh, links to the show pages of previous shows on of the Memory Machine on the Geekiverse. So do check that out as well. Of course, there's a um, email address that you can email me at, but uh, I'm not remembering at the moment. Memory Machine Pod at Yahoo.com. Memory Machine Pod at Yahoo.com. If for whatever reason you want to hit me up through email. But anyway, thanks again for listening. And we'll be back at you with another memory machine in exactly one week. Love you. Bye. Or did their job goodbye. Lots of old time stars are out of a job. All they do is flubber and sob. Ever since the movies learned to talk. And the red hot vamp who registered cash sounds as if she's ordering hash. Ever since the movies learned to talk. Oh, they can't fool you and they can't fool me When they open up, it's a squeak Why, it's a sin Even Rin Tin Tin has a bark that sounds like a peach When the hero sings asleep in the deep He sounds just like a little low peach Ever since the movie's learned to talk